Welcome to the Demand Excellence Podcast. I am your host, Coach Jonathan Guest, and today I have my co-host back. Coach Ed Dudley is back, and we are interviewing Mr. Greg Norton. He is one of the top officials in the Georgia High School Association. He has been a football referee for over 30 years. And this past year, he refereed in a state championship game, and he was named by the Atlanta Touchdown Club the referee of the year in the state of Georgia. So it's going to be a great show talking about the coach-official relationship and things that we should be on the lookout in 2019. He does an awesome job. Before we get started... Rusty Schron is a great friend of mine, and he owns a great insurance business. He is a sponsor of our program. You can find out more about Strawn Insurance. It's one of the top insurance agencies in the state at strawninsurance.com. That's strawninsurance.com. And the phone number is 770-957-9005. If you go to the website or check out their Facebook page, you're going to see that there's nothing but raving reviews, positive experiences. So if you're looking, they, they offer all type of insurance. If you're looking for some insurance, give them a call. Give At least give them a look. And then also want to tell you about our website, Redeem the Game, R-E-D-E-E-M, redeemthegame.com. It is for the competitive person. It's got news for the sports person. It's got relevant news on there. It's got sports news on there. It's got culture things, all types of stuff on there. It's got blogs. We should have a, a blog here by Vaughn Lasseter uh, soon. He sent me the rough draft. It is awesome. But check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. I've heard a lot of positive reviews about it. Check it out. Redeemthegame.com. All right. Let's get to the show. Greg Norton, I appreciate you being on the show. Everybody, I hope you enjoy it. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in officiating. Like me and Coach Dudley, we coach, and then you're officiating. How did you get involved in that? So whenever I was um, a younger person, uh, when I was uh, in my teenage years, uh, my father was really involved in Little League Baseball here in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And um, he uh, thought that I should – uh, umpire some baseball games um, to make some extra money, which um, at the time was a great idea, and I did that. So I started uh, umpiring baseball, and I did that for several years. Um, I went to some little league little league camps and different kinds of things, and and, re- and I really enjoyed it. Um, even though sometimes the uh, fan experience was sometimes uh, intimidating for a young high school student, um, I still I still enjoyed it. Um, and then, but I figured out real quick, you know, after several years that, uh, baseball that you're either freezing to death or burning up, um, there's basically four calls and uh, the fans are right on top of you. And, you know, you could, it, it was very difficult. Um, you know, a lot of times to deal with those situations as a young person, um, then I ended up, um, but I, but I continued to do it. Um, and I ended up going to college and uh, West Georgia college and got involved in the intramural program there. And then as I continued there, I got into basketball. I was also doing some basketball whenever I was in Blue Ridge in the, in the youth programs. And then whenever I came back um, from college, um, I continued to be involved in officiating. And I met a a man um, named Doc Sisk, uh, who was a superintendent of schools in Banks County at the time. And he, uh, said to me, you know, you ought to, uh, you ought to get into, uh, you ought to do some high school. You ought to, you ought to consider doing some high school. And so I did, um, I did, I was just doing baseball at the time, but then again, I just, it just continued to, to, to bother me as to how you either hot or cold. And, uh, it was just, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as, as fun and it was kind of slow. Uh, to me it was slow. And so then I got into basketball uh, with him and I was young, so I thought I was pretty good at it. And, and where I live, um, where I live now, where I've lived my, all my life, is that unlike the Atlanta Metro and some places in the state, you know, you might have um, you might have 10 schools within, you know, 
you know, you have a bunch of schools within 10 miles of where you live. And where I live, um, there's about four schools within a 30-mile radius. So, therefore, it requires travel. And so I um, told him when we were standing there, he asked me about doing basketball. And I said, well, I think that'd be good because, um, you know, I live right here in, uh, in Blue Ridge. And I said, you know, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be able to do undo those varsity games really quickly right off the bat. And baseball is a little bit different than basketball because, um, you know, in baseball, they'd put you out there on the bases and, you know, you'd, it'd be a little bit more simpler. It wasn't quite as fast moving. And so I ended up, um, I ended up, you know, he ended up telling me, well, I don't, I don't think it's going to work like that. There's a lot of training involved. And I guess where I'm leading with that is as I got into officiating at first, I think I got into it because I thought it was a, it was a way to, you know, to make a little bit of money as a student and uh, to be able to kind of supplement my income. And then as I got, when I got married, uh, certainly officiating has been good to me through the years, um, but it has required me to be away a lot of times. And Doc really encouraged me to stay into officiating. And um, as a result of that, um, I really found out from, from he and his wife, Nan, that um, in order to be really good at officiating, in order to, be, to, to, to strive for excellence, you know, you had to put a lot into it. It wasn't just about um, putting on a uniform and going out there and, and blowing your whistle or saying out safe ball strike or carrying a flag. It was more about putting something into the game because the results of those games really do matter. And um, and what we do as officials in games, it matters as well. And so that really stepped it up a whole lot for me. And so that's how I kind of got into it. I just kind of uh, and I and I really fell in love with it. And it was a passion that I have had. And um, while maybe early on, and a lot of people even today when they get into the game, you know, it's a, it's a good way to make some extra money. And it is a good way to make some extra money. But you know, there are a lot of people who have made a living off of the shedding and. Um, and certainly that's not been my case, but it has been very good, good for me. And, um, but I just really have a passion for the game. Um, it's the best seat in the house, uh, in most, in most, uh, in most cases, whether it's basketball or football or whatever you're doing, but if you're putting a lot into it, you know, you're really not getting to watch the game. You're actually working the game and, it, and it's a lot better. And so I, I just uh, fell in love with officiating as a result of that. And I continue to have a deep passion to be able to be, to be, a, to be official. Greg, uh, full disclosure for me, my father was a longtime uh, SEC football official. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and so a lot of times I feel like I have a different perspective on officiating and, and how it uh, is integral to high school football. But I was hoping you could tell some of the coaches out there that listen to our podcast a little bit about the week-to-week preparation. I feel like a lot of times – uh, young coaches look at officials and go, hey, man, they just showed up from the McDonald's and, and here they go. But uh, could you tell us a little bit about some of the things you do in the Monday night meeting and, and now with video and that kind of thing? Well, that that is – I'm glad you brought that up because um, I think to the, to the average fan and to a lot of coaches and, and some people, you know, they don't really have a respect um, – for all the time and effort that we put in to prepare ourselves for the game experience, for the game day experience. And so, um, you know, we uh, just, let's just take football as an example. Um, So we have meetings uh, throughout the the spring and through the summer. Um, I'm on the football training committee with the Georgia high school. And so we've been traveling around across the state. We've had seven, seven different locations that we have been to this summer. Um, we have an average of probably around 200 to 250 officials at each one of these events. Uh, they're an all-day event. It's a training class. Um, they have to they they have to go to one of these um, training classes every two years. And if you want to be eligible um, to work the Georgia High School State Championships, you know the playoffs, you have to go every year. Um, almost all of the associations across the state. Um, they have meetings throughout the summer and through the spring, whether they're on Mondays or whatever day that they choose to meet. Um, crews, some of the associations work crews in games. Some of them do not. And if you have a crew, uh, then you then you have your own individual meetings. Um, we have to take the uh, Georgia High School Clinic, which is um, something that the coaches also um, are required to take. Um, that's a 30- or 40-minute exercise. But then we also have a state test in which we take and which we're in the process of taking right now. And in my 30 plus years of officiating, I have never taken a harder test 
this year than I have ever taken in the past. It is very difficult. Um, and I had uh, over three hours in taking the test. And every official in the state who wants to be a part of the uh, Georgia High School uh, playoffs, they have to take this test and they have to pass it. And it's they're not simple true-false questions. Um, many of the questions are, are multiple choice, and there's five or six answers inside the one question. And so there is a lot of preparation um, that we do in order to prepare ourselves um, for the Friday night experience. Um, one of the things that, that I know has um, helped you guys from a coaching perspective, you know, over, over the last 10 or 15 years has been the, the evolution of huddle and, and video. And it has been the same for football officials, you know, um, as the assigner for, for Northwest Georgia Football Officials Association when I first started that, you know, you don't really – you know when your phone rings on a Saturday morning after a Friday night football game and it's the head coach, at, you know, and it's Hal Lamb or it's Tommy Atha, you know, it's pro they're probably not giving you a phone call to say, hey, man, the guys did a really nice job last night. We really appreciate it. You know, even though you may get some of those phone calls, it's usually going to be let me tell you – let me just tell you what happened here. And, and usually and a lot of times – you know, coaches will start out with this to try to to try to give themselves, a, you know, trying to give them, a, you know, get them an edge. You know, in my 30 years of coaching, I have never seen you blah 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 blah. And so the reality is, is that you know, when in, in 12 or 14 or 15 years ago, you had to wait, you had to go, you'd have to go and meet with the coaches and actually look at the film, or you'd have to, you know, you'd have to wait to get the DVD. And now with Huddle, you know, it is so good that. You know, we're getting those games, you know, in most cases, the day, the night of the game or the next day. And we have an opportunity to review those games. We have an opportunity to look at it. And so um, officials, as much as coaches, we, the, the one thing that has made us better, I believe, and I do believe officiating is better um, than it has ever been. And I think that officiating in Georgia is good. Um, and I think the reason why is because coaches, uh, many coaches have realized that if they'll share their games with those associations and we can get, at the, get our games to the, to the crews, that we can actually go and we can watch those games and we can study the film and we can see, you know, we'll be better prepared next time we have that tough play or that tough situation. You know, usually a coach is not calling you about a, a false start. You know, they're calling you about a, uh, a pass interference, a very difficult play that involved judgment, you know. And so uh, the the time that officials put into um, officiating before they ever get to the game day, game day experience, an actual game, if, you know, I, I believe that the majority of the officials in the state of Georgia are putting in a lot of time. They're meeting all they're, – they're going to those meetings. Uh, many of the associations, they have requirements, and if you don't come, then they find the officials – you know, because they realize that in order to be excellent at what you're doing, you have to you have to have training, and and I feel like it has gotten a lot better. But um, certainly, you know, um, it's a it's a it's a major commitment to be a football official. It's nothing like being a coach, obviously, but um, it's you know the the above average official puts in a lot of time and effort. And then for me, you know, for a for a Friday night football game for me, or even a, most of the cases a basketball game, you know. I'm, you know, I'm leaving my, I'm leaving where I live here in Blue Ridge at 3.30 or 3 or 3.30 and, and I'm not getting home until after midnight. So uh, what a lot of people don't understand is, is that, you know, we have to be at the football games an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to two hours before the game. And uh, so, I, you know, it's, it's a major commitment to be official and we do put a lot of time and effort, effort, effort into it. And I'm sure, you know, um, with your father being an official, you saw, you saw a lot of that time commitment as well. Guess so, lived it. so let's talk about um, the referee coach relationship. Um, how, what is it that you expect from a coach on Friday nights and then talk about intense situations, just, just what you expect from us and how can we earn your favor a little bit on a Friday night? I know you're going to say we can't earn your favor, but we're all humans. I, I try to. Well, you know, I always say this, you know, um, we all need each other. You know, um, uh, to me, it's just about, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you know, officials feel like, you know, coaches hate us and coaches feel like, you know, it's, it's vice versa. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship. 
And I think that the important thing that, it, that, that we have to realize is that is without each part of the element of the element of the game that we have, you know, coaches, players, officials, we don't have a game. And I think the reality is there just needs to be a, a level of respect um, that has to happen. You know, I think that um, don't don't give the impression that we're the necessary evil that you have to have in order to play a game. Um, you know, for me, um, I, I use this hashtag all the time on social media is respect the stripes. You know, um, whether you agree or disagree with what, with what the official call was or, you know, we have to respect one another. And um, and if we can build that respect, you know, uh, in the early stages, um, I think it I think it matters. You know, um, I know for me personally, you know, when I get my game assignment for this Friday or whenever it is in football, we don't necessarily do this in basketball, but in football, you know, I send an email to that coach on Monday or Tuesday of that week and kind of introduce myself. And even if I know them, it's a, it's sometimes it's somewhat of a generic email, but I try to make it personal, but I, but I always, you know, reiterate the fact that, Hey, you know, our goal tonight is to be in the shadows of the game. You know, we don't, we don't want to have to, we don't want to be in the limelight. Uh, we want to, we, we want to be in the shadows, but it starts with just that simple, you know, and, and a lot of times, some coaches will respond back to your email. Some will not. I don't. That doesn't bother me. But whenever I get to the field, and when we get there, you know, a lot of the places that we go sometimes, um, if I was going to lead into something, you know, I would, you know, when you, you, sometimes people talk about the difference between a visitor and a guest. Officials that are coming to your football stadium to work your football game, if I was a head football coach, I would want to treat them like a guest because I know that I want them to feel like they're welcome there. And so I'd make sure that they had a place that was prepared for them. That would be clean. There would be water. There would be whatever, whatever you would, whatever you want to do to make your guests feel welcome. And because that really says a whole lot, you know, just, just the initial time whenever we get there and then how we're treated. And now are we, are we given an escort to the field? Are we given an escort off of the field? Is there security there for us in case there was a problem? And my, 30 plus years of officiating. There's only been a couple times after an event when I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm, this is not a, this is not a safe environment for the most part. People do a really good job of that. And the other thing I would say is as a football coach is, you know, um, a few years ago, we did a coaches panel where I asked the question, you know, do you really think that pre get that meet that meeting with the referee and the umpire before the game? Is it necessary or is it just a formality? Is it something that we really need to make sure that we do? And a lot of the, you know, at first I, I didn't, I don't, as officials, sometimes we don't really think it's that necessary because it's pretty generic. You know, there's usually not a lot that you're going to get there, but from a coach's perspective, I got a different, it was different because I think the coaches actually like that meeting. And so I would just say that, you know, before you actually get entrenched into that battle, whenever that, whenever we blow that whistle and we kick off that football, you know, whenever you meet that, that official, even if it was a situation where maybe the last time you had this guy, it was, it was intense. It, it was intense. There was something. You need to kind of. You need to kind of figure out how to break the ice to make that to feel like to where they feel like they're a guest and they're welcome. You know, it's it's really no different than you know when you have a disagreement with your wife. You know, um, you you have to you have to figure out how to work through it because we're in this together. And if we don't figure out how to work together to actually to to, to be able to perform at a level and which will which will which will be acceptable. You know, if there's intensity and if there's 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 a there's a bad vibe whenever you start the game, you know, it's it's, it's probably not going to get any better. And uh, so I would just say that just simply just simply by respecting one another. And that goes both ways. You know, from an official's perspective, you know, I tell my officials all the time, you know, if you if you know going into a game that the last time you had a game with with a certain coach that, um, you know, it wasn't good. If it's still in your mind and it's still bothering you, then probably the best thing you need to do is you need to tell the person to sign you that game. You know, I, I really would like to do that game, but I just but I just don't have a good feeling about it. You know, let, let me go somewhere else. There are plenty of other games that you can go work. You know, there's there's not an official in the state that doesn't want to work a really good doesn't want to get a, a key matchup. I mean, you know, we all we all love those opportunities. But even in that particular case, if it's a situation where you it wasn't a good vibe, then just just remove yourself and eliminate that because ultimately, you know, coaches, you know, it's unfortunate in this day and time. Uh, but you guys, a lot of times you keep your jobs based on how your, what your record is at the end of the year, whether you win or lose. And for officials, you know, 
sometimes it matters, you know, whether or not we get a certain game or how we progress. But, um, you know, I just think that there's a respect piece there that has to go both ways, both from the coach's seat and from the official seat. And if that happens, in my experience through the years, and, and I've had some tough situations, once you figure out that, you know what, there's a respect piece and we're probably both going to make mistakes, but we've got to figure out how to get through it, it it'll be just fine. Greg, uh, I, I noticed that we've uh, really – amped up the recruiting of young officials. And I think it's a great uh, plan, not only statewide, but nationwide. Um, we've got to get more good, young, athletic guys into officiating, guys that are in shape and they can run and, and, and want to be professional about it like you do. But also, we continue to add officials to the field. And I was just wondering what you felt about the expanding crews. I mean, you know, I've been uh, coaching high school football for well over 30 years. And, you know, I used to, we used to have great four-man crews. I feel like a great crew is a great crew, whether it's four, five, six, seven, however many officials are on the field. But the more we add, then the more we need. And we're, you know, we're in a crisis as far as getting good young officials. What, what's, uh, what's your feeling on all that? Well, um, if I can, I'd like to, to ask you a question, you know, before I answer that question. Do you feel like that you have seen the game change in the last 15 to 20 years, maybe even the last 10? Do you think you have seen the game change? Is it faster? Is, is the game the same as it was whenever we were using four-man and five-man? I, I would just like to ask you that before I actually answer the question. It, it's no, it's the spread offense and guys are all over the field and the tempo is up and tempo is another question I have for you. Um, but, uh, no, it's definitely a different game. Right. Right. So, so yeah, I think that, um, so am I, um, am I a proponent of having a seventh official on the field for, for Georgia high school football games? Um, I would say that my answer to that is I think that it can be – I think there are some games, there are some teams, there are some games where it is absolutely necessary. But if you have uh, – if you're in an area where, you know, they're running the wing tee, uh, they're running the eye, they're not running the spread, um, and the majority of their opponents, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not doing a lot of run-pass option, they're, they're just – you know, then it, it may not be a need for that for that seventh guy on the field. You know, in officiating, um, the area in which we where we have the hardest time in covering the game is in the middle of the field, um, in most cases, and it's generally deep middle, behind, deep middle or in the box. I'm, I, I hate to interrupt, but no, no, that's no. I think in the box is 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 somewhat okay. You know, um, again, it just depends. You know, a lot of times you might have, you know, nine or ten players in the box. And when you've basically got the referee and the umpire who are kind of in close proximity to to be able to actually see that, and even though you've got your wings who are on the sidelines, it's kind of hard for them to see that. But And so, and definitely, you know, middle to deep middle is definitely a challenge if you don't have that seventh guy in the middle of the field. And so um, I do believe that um, that in especially in the metro area and a lot of these teams, you know, that are that are doing the, the, the spread, and it is definitely a help for us because there have been a lot of times in games where you know you might see something in your peripheral, you you might have something that you thought, man, that just didn't look right. You know, there was something that happened there that wasn't that wasn't correct. But you didn't see the whole thing. You didn't see it as what I would like, what I always refer to wasn't an elephant. You know, um, it was it was somewhat of a mice. We just really see the whole thing. And that seventh official really does help us in that respect. Um, last year was the first year in playoffs that we used seven in Georgia. That was required. And I would just have to say out of my five games that I had, um, there were plays in every one of those games where the seventh official made a tremendous impact in those games. Um, as far as, you know, recruiting and retaining and being able to, to get officials in order to be able to cover the games, um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother subject. And, and, it, and, and it's, it's a hard, it's, 
it's really been difficult. I mean, um, the number of officials that are wanting to get into this, uh, the number of people who are wanting to get into officiating is, is not very large. And I think one of the, there's several reasons why it's difficult because, you know, the time commitment to actually do this is much greater than they ever realized. The cost to actually get into it is far more than they ever realized. And then also the experience of starting at the, at the younger levels and just the, the reality is, is that people put way too much emphasis on winning and, and perfection at those levels that the, the sportsmanship, the level of sportsmanship and those types of things that happen at those games, those, a lot of the guys just say, you know what, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather pay and go watch a football game than actually to go. And, I, you know, I, I, just, I just don't want to go. To, I just don't want to do that. You know, it's just – and so we've got we've to fix that, you know. And, and you guys, I think you guys have a role in that, you know. Um, sportsmanship is something that I'm very big on. You know, I, I know, I know football is all about dominating your opponent. I didn't play football. I'm not, I don't really like contact. But um, but I realize that you know, uh, football is certainly a contact sport, and it's about dominating your appointment, uh, your 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 opponent. But when you knock somebody down, I also think it's about sticking your hand down there and picking them up. You know, it's 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 a game. It's not about it's not about this is not a battle. It's not it's not a war. You're not trying to kill your opponent. You're just trying to dominate them. And I think so many times that what we see at the lower levels and what we see in so many cases is that you know. The whole sportsmanship thing is just—it's just—it's just a side side. It's not really—it's not really something that's kept at a major level like it should be, and that causes a lot of the people that are officiating when they see those type of behaviors, especially coming from from some coaches and some fans. Um, you know, it it really is—it really puts a bad pace in your mouth. You just really don't want to deal with it. Talk about uh, I, mean, I had a few years ago, maybe I don't know, it might have been ten years ago now, but like I had a coach and he was real intense. And he was always talking about you got to work the refs. I know how to work the refs. And he was just adamant that you had to yell at the refs. You had to get on the refs. You had to work them so that they would give you calls. And I was like, nah, it has to be the opposite, man. Like, just think about you as a person. If somebody's yelling at you and giving you a hard time, you're going to be less reluctant to give them something. And he, he just couldn't put it in that situation so what I talk to my coaches about and it doesn't always work you know I have lay coaches a lot of times they don't even get paid anything so what kind of power do I have over them um you know but I ask them guys like don't yell at the refs like even if it is a bad call don't yell at the refs let me handle it and let's be really really nice to the refs you know and I I try to like hey let's let's represent Christ let's you know all that kind of stuff (laughs) and um but talk about that like I mean, there's actually coaches out there. They honestly think if you yell at the ref long enough and loud enough, you'll get the call that you need. <laughs> oh, that is so that is so funny. And you know, um, I'll tell you guys a tell you guys a quick story. And and I don't think Hal Lamb would mind me would mind me sharing this. And I know he did one of your podcasts um, podcast earlier uh, in the summer. And and I just want to say I. I I'm not a football coach, but I listen to a lot of the podcasts that you guys do, um, and I think they've been great. I listened to the one with Charlie Ward. I thought it was excellent. And so, but um, but but to that point, so you know, there are certain places, there there are certain schools that every official, you know, really wants to go. You know, I mean, so I mean, like in in our area, you know, if you get a game at Calhoun or if you get a game at Dalton or Darlington or you know, where you have some really, you know, where the football just genuinely has been good through the years. You really, everybody's excited about getting that opportunity. But, you know, it, when how when I first started, um, when I first started officiating, you know, uh, when somebody would get a Calhoun game and say, man, I'm really excited about that game, but I'm telling you, Coach Lamb is, he is just hard to work with on the sideline. He is hard to work with on the sideline. <laughs> and, uh, and so I would, you know, and I got to know Hal really well. We were at West Georgia together and, and we had a little bit of a relationship, but, but we would, you know, you know, when I would do one of his games, he, he had one, I was doing one of his games one night and he, he got upset about an unsportsmanlike penalty that I called on a Rogers kid that went to the University of Tennessee. And we had a, he was yelling at me and it was kind of intense. And I said, I'm not talking to you anymore. And he said, why? I said, because whenever you'll start talking to me like you're talking to me when I'm sitting in your office, we'll be able to have a conversation. Right now, we're having an argument, and it's not going anywhere. 
And so finally, what I got him to realize was, is that, you know what, and I would just say this to all coaches, and, and, coach, and coach, you're exactly right. You know, if you yell and scream at your wife, you're probably, the results of that's probably not going to be very good. <laughs> if you yell and scream at a football official, you know, you are putting them at a place to where they are, being, they're in, their level of intensity and what's going inside of their emotions is not good. And the reality is you need to be just the opposite because people make the best decisions when they're at the calmest place in their life. And so if I'm a football official and I've got this guy, I don't care who it is, he's breathing down my neck or he's, you know, you can just feel it. You know, you just know that it's getting ready to come off of you. Your mind is not totally composed. It's not really focused on what you need to be focused on. Part of it is like, okay, I got to make this decision. And I'm, I, and, and whether it's right or wrong, coach so-and-so is probably not going to like it. And I'm going to have to respond to that. And so, and the other thing that I finally came across to some of the coaches in our Northwest Georgia football area was, has there ever been a time in which you yell and screamed and got upset with the official that it actually changed anything? Did it ever make a difference? And the answer, the resounding answer was no. And so I said, well, then the reverse psychology with that would be ask the official what you really want to know without yelling that. And tell me exactly what you saw on that. Can you just, what, what actually happened? And then there's that level of respect that you'll have with one another. And it'll, it'll allow that official to be able to, to, to focus and concentrate a little bit better on what his actual job is. And that's to officiate the game not to manage some irate coach on the sideline whose emotions are running, you know, 90, 90 miles to nothing. So um, I think it's just important that um, – I, I think it's good that, you know, there are times. I mean, I, I can tell you there have been times where I knew I, I knew I made a mistake and I, and, and I would let the coach get his steam off and, and I'd say, you know what, coach, you're exactly right. You know, you're, you are exactly right. Totally, totally screwed it up, but we can't do anything about it. What's done is done. And, um, and so, again, some of that is just owning it, but I think it, it really does work well for coaches. If you really want to have – if you really want to make the officials, you know, on the sideline, you know, treat them like a guest. And when you do have a question, and it's okay to get upset occasionally, but, you know, just try to figure out how to bring it back down so that at some point there's not that contention the entire game. You know, I'll let Coach Dudley ask – I just wanted to make a comment. As coaches, we, we tell our players the same thing. We tell them – I tell my players, like, just tell me you did wrong, and I'll shut up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. – you know, and, and I think that's – like, when a referee's like, hey, I screwed up. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say at that end of that? Yeah. You know? Um, one of my one – of, one of my favorite things is that, you know, when, it, when, it, when a coach is hollering, you know, about – there's no way, Greg, he was holding. There was no way. And I would say, I would go tell 67 or whoever, 67, go to the sideline and you go tell coach that you were holding. You go tell it. <laughs> and, and a lot of times that actually will bring forth, you know, the res- you know that'll actually bring forth that respect piece that we're actually looking for. You know, and, and, and so I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of – I mean – it's easy and I know you guys don't experience this with any of your parents or supporters you know they think that they think that all you know they you know they don't ever question any of your play calls or any of your schemes or anything like that you know, they don't ever do that <laughs> never um, <laughs> but in football games you know it's easy you know when you especially with with technology today you know when when you guys when when we when we miss a fish, when we when we incorrectly call something during the game, and you guys have got huddle or whatever it is on the sideline, and you guys have got your iPad right there, and you scroll back and you look at it and say, "Oh man, did they ever miss that?" You know, and you you that is that is that is so unfair to us. You know, when you're in a situation, you're having to make it. You're making a play call at a tight point in the game. You make that play call. You have to live with it. Well, when what we do, we have to make a decision live. And what we make live after we see it, we probably don't like it. But the reality is the game is played by humans. It's, you know, played, coached by humans, and we're going to all make respect, make, make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And, um, you know, we just, have to, we just have to live with it. And I think the, ev- the evolution of technology has kind of changed the way people watch games. Um, and I know we're all seeking for perfection, but, you know, it's just 
you know, I mean, it, it's almost kind of we're, we're striving for excellence, but perfection is sometimes just not not attainable. So. Right. Well, well, Greg, you kind of lead uh, into my next question was how long, uh, in your opinion, how many years until uh, instant replay, official replay, coaches challenge, those NFL college concepts, how long until they – uh, trickle down into high school. I think it's, and maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of think it's inevitable. Like you said, with so many programs using huddle sideline and they could hand you an iPad right there. Um, what do you think about that? Well, um, I'm not, you know, most people would say, you know, well, there's a reason why an official does is not, is not interested in replay because, you know, they don't want to have to admit they're wrong. Um, you know, at the college women's basketball level in which I work, you know, we do have we do have replay and we do go to the monitor and we can look at certain situations and, and the parameters are set for us and, and it has been good for the game. It does it does, you know, make the game longer in some situations. Um and so, you know, that, that part that piece has been good. Um but, you know, in football, I don't know, quite honestly, whether we will ever see instant replay roll down into every football game in Georgia. I think just it, it may happen. If it does, you know, some of the challenges that I see is that, you know, um, who's going to be there to actually be the authority to actually make the final decision? You know, I mean, if, if, if we're talking about one of my plays in one of my games and you hand me an iPad and I have to look at it and, and it's – you know, the parameter is, you know, I mean, well, was it judgment? You know, what 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 exactly was it? You know, I mean, we want to get it right, but I mean, it's, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces of that that have to actually come together in order for that to happen. Um, it may at some point, um, I think the cost element of making all that happen um, might be more than some of the schools want to bear. Um, I could see it, I could see it rolling out into the, the playoffs, certainly. Um, but right now, you know, as far as in a regular season game, you know, I don't, I don't foresee that. Me personally, would I be against it? I would not be against it if it, if it, you know, if the parameters are set specifically on what you could, you could not go uh, and look at. Um, but again, back to my, back to my point here. At what point would, um, would as officials be able to go to a coach and say, hey, you know what, coach, if you'd have ran this play. With this particular set or scheme right here, you probably could have had a different result. And in reality, that's what we're talking about. You know, we see a play live. We have to make an instant decision. And and, and so it's you know it, it it's really kind of hard. You know, and 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 I and I believe that you know the game is played by humans. It's coached and officiated by humans, and we're all imperfect. And so it's it, it's kind of hard. You know, we're 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 all seeking perfection. But again, sometimes it too, it's all it all kind of re- reflects back to the to the almighty dollar and somebody being able to keep their job. When in reality, you know, it's I mean, it, it, it's a game, and I know there's a lot on the line with those games. But um, you know, 25 years ago, it was it was totally different. It wasn't even part of that. So, but I think with technology, I think we we will see it come into our game, whether we want it or not. And as long as the parameters set, I would be perfectly fine with it. I'm all for uh, getting rid of technology. No sideline film, uh, <laughs> and no, uh, you cannot. You guys cannot look at the film. That would just cause. That would be a disaster. I could just see all types of disasters yeah. coming out of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what you should do is like when a coach is getting on to you about a bad play, uh, about a bad call. Be like, you should tell him, coach. It wouldn't matter if you would actually call call plays better <laughs> all your play calls tonight have been yeah. horrible but uh yeah. you know, um you should talk back a little bit but anyways <laughs> uh, this would be my my last question for you because i think this is a big one uh you know all the rpos uh going on you know it really screws up a defense and the reason why it screws up a defense is because the defensive linebackers and a lot of the reads come by reading the offensive linemen the offense because the rule states the offensive lineman can't go downfield on a pass. Yeah, he can go two, three yards, but he can't go downfield five yards, can't run inside zone and throw the football. Um, what are referees doing to mitigate that? Because it kind of leaves defenses in an absolute scramble um, because, like, you have the rule, so I'm going to coach according to the rule, read the lineman. 
But then the linemen are five yards downfield and a slant's being thrown on the backside. Um, what, what are you guys doing to, to fix that? Well, um, so we have uh, – obviously we have the, the two guys that are on the line of scrimmage. So in years past, um, as Coach Dudley mentioned with the four-man crew, nobody really stayed on the line of scrimmage to really know whether or not anybody was actually downfield, you know, when you had a pass. But with the – with having, you know, the other officials now having – if we had a set, or have a seventh guy on the field, we have three people deep, then we actually can officiate those, those, those pass plays and in the middles and, the, and in the middle of the field, we can actually officiate those with those, with those officials. And the people that are on the line of scrimmage can actually stay on the line of scrimmage and better be able to see whether or not we do have linemen that are downfield. You know, I believe the rule says two yards. Um, uh, as far as the linemen being downfield, when they're beyond two, whenever they're beyond two yards, then we're supposed to drop a flag for having a lineman downfield. Um, you know, and sometimes that's, that's easier said than done when you've got a bunch of people in the middle of the field. Um, it, it can be, you know, you can, it's it, it easily missed. And so we are putting a, we have, what we have done mechanically is try to make sure that both of our guys, both the head linesman and the line judge are staying on the line of scrimmage. And when we do know that you guys are in those situations and, you know, it used to be easy. You know, if the quarterback took a snap, he took a five-step drop, more than likely he was going to pass. Well, the quarterback's five yards behind the line of scrimmage on the snap now, and we don't know what y'all, we don't know what y'all are going to do. You know, we're having to read it ourselves. Right. And so um, the reality is, is that, you know, um, the word deception is only mentioned one time in the rule book, and that is actually related to when, when you know, if you fake the ball to the fullback going up the middle, and he's holding and he's acting like he has the football, there's a time frame when the defense defense can actually still tackle um, that player because they think he has the ball. That's the only time somebody can be tackled without the ball on the football field. But the reality is every time that you guys line up in a formation and the quarterback is calling his plays, you are trying to deceive the other team into figuring out, you know, what, what you guys are going to do. You're, 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 I mean, and, and it's the same for us. You know, we, we have certain keys in which we read to be able to know who is doing what. Um, our goal is to make sure that all 11 players on the football – well, excuse me, all 22 players on the football field are being officiated by seven people and that we are all trying to make sure that we are covering certain areas so that we can know that if there is something that happens that is illegal, that is an elephant, not a mice, that we can make sure that we, if it, if it requires that we throw our flag and we have a foul on the play, that we know what it is. And so the run PO, not only has it changed the game of football for, for everybody, it has changed it for us as well. And that is why that we need, you know, those other officials um, to be able to help us to be able to cover the middle of the field. Uh, the umpire basically is, he's, you know, he's watching the guard and he's watching the two guards in the center on every play. And that's primarily his responsibility. And so sometimes he can help us with that. He used to move up to the line of scrimmage, and we had a lot of guys, you know, getting, getting ran over. So we've moved him back a little bit to try to help us to be able to better appreciate those plays. But it does take him off of the line of scrimmage, so it's not as easy to know whether or not they're actually downfield without having to, to look and go back and see where the down marker is. And when you look away from the players, then there's a potential of missing something that, that could happen in the game. I don't know if well, that man, answered, I, I, I don't know if that I, gave you I don't know if that no, gave you a better answer or no, not. But. That was that was a great uh, answer. I was waiting for uh, Coach Dudley to, to ask a question. No, uh, that was an awesome answer and I do see the game evolving and it's good to hear that officials have are changing mechanics and addressing the things uh, that we're addressing in the defensive staff room on our end. I appreciate you being on with us, Greg. Um, and this has been, for me, very enlightening. Uh, my, my experience with officials uh, has been 99% great over the past 36 years. And I think I learned a lot uh, in coaching several other sports, including basketball, about keeping my mouth shut and getting better, getting a better relationship going. Um, and coaches out there that think you can intimidate an official, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, they well, will get, and they I, will get you back. Yeah, I would just, I, well, I don't, I would just say, I would just say this, and, and you know, 
Um, we, talk, we tell officials, especially in basketball, because, you know, in basketball, there's a lot more close proximity. You know, um, we don't really want to respond to statements. We want to answer questions. And so if you, if coaches that are listening to this podcast, if you, if you have something that's just eating at you, ask questions to officials, don't make statements. And what we tell our officials is, is that, you know, when you're answering questions from these coaches, give them rule book answers. If you try to describe to them exactly how the player held or exactly why this particular play was illegal, then if you try to get in a dialogue, you know, with that particular coach, he's going to, he's going to eat you up. He's going to chew you because he's trying to, he's trying to get, a lot of times we feel like that you guys are trying to get us to realize, you know, Hey, well, you, you actually made a mistake on this play. Um, just give rule book answers. Uh, less is more. And, uh, and when you do make a mistake own it, and, it, and you know, you can't own, you can't own three or four mistakes in a the game, then you have to evaluate where you are. But, um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully that's not the case, but, um, but it is important just to, and how you respond back to coaches and for coaches trying to try to try to stay away from the statements, just ask questions. <laughs> well, uh, Greg, I appreciate you, man. A few things. Number one, I feel like I got some, uh, great advice on how to be a better husband today. Uh, number two, <laughs> uh, man, we talk about this podcast being for Christian coaches. It's got a Christian spin on it. Uh, I think you reflect that from uh, the officiating standpoint. Like I, I talk about redeeming the game and, and transforming the game for what you're talking about, sportsmanship and, and building young boys and using the game as a tool. That's what you're doing on your end. Uh, it's obvious that you're a man of excellence. Uh, you want to do whatever your hands touch to uh, the best of your ability. And you're just a great example uh, to, to football coaches and to officials on how we should approach uh, our lives each and every day and whatever that we do. So I appreciate you. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you as we head out. Thank you. Lord, we come before you today. just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and he died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you for Greg Norton. And Lord, just the light and example he is, the ambassador he is uh, for Jesus Christ. We know him through uh, officiating football games, Lord, and every interaction I've ever had with him. Lord, you can see that he's different, that he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him, and he carries himself in a different way. Lord, I pray for uh, all the coaches out there, Lord, that you would just work on our hearts, and Lord, that we would go to those sidelines, and Lord, that we would try to be a witness and example for Jesus Christ uh, in how we act and treating others with respect and listening. And like like Greg said, Lord, that we would uh, ask questions, not make statements. And uh, Lord, let's pray for all the other high school coaches out there who are going through practice right now that this is a grueling time we just pray that you would keep uh give us wisdom as we coach the players in this heat keep our players safe lord um and lord may you be glorified through us lord we love you we praise you in jesus name amen hey i appreciate you amen. guys thanks guys thank you so much yes sir thank y'all Eternal God, unchanging mistake.